Overhead kick. And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. Yeah. It is the moment! Hello and welcome there to the very first episode of the Football New South Wales Kickoff Podcast, the official podcast of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League competitions. So what's it all about? Well, this is a discussion and also a celebration and acknowledgement of all the great football that is being played in the premier competitions in New South Wales, the NPLs, which we all know and love. And of course, what goes on behind the scenes with players, coaches, referees, administrators, and all the hard work they put in to put on such a great competition that we love to follow week in, week out. I'm Teo Pelizzeri. You might know me from Paramount Plus and Network 10's coverage of the A-League or, perhaps more importantly, your games on the weekend in NPL New South Wales men's and women's where I am one of the match commentators. And I am delighted to be joined by my co-host for this inaugural episode by one of the new faces that is appearing in NPL New South Wales this season. You might already know her, in fact, Tatiana Scrivonia. Tatiana, great to have you on this first episode of this new podcast. Thank you, Tia, for the lovely introduction. Hi, guys. My name is Tatiana. I am the face of Bonnering White Eagles. If you have seen some of the content on NPL TV, that is me who does the wrap-ups with uh, our assistant coach, Wiz. My role at the club is I am a social media coordinator as well as the content creator, and I am delighted to be on this podcast today. So thank you, Tio. Well, are you going to be wearing your colours, or can we expect a, a bit of neutrality from you as we uh, go around the NPL? I hope so. Um, a bit of everything. Well, we've got some cute fashion taste going on, so we'll see what the weather's like, and we'll go from there. <laughs> All right. So Tatiana's joining me today. We've got uh, some guests coming up. Players, coaches, administrators, that's what this podcast is all about. The people behind the NPLs and New South Wales leagues competitions. So let's get into what's on, because at the end of April, Football New South Wales celebrated the Make It Red Heart Health Round. Tatiana, tell us a bit more about what this initiative entailed. So this is a fantastic national awareness campaign driven by the heartbeat of football to raise awareness about heart health issues and encourage more people to make a positive change in their health choices. 33 football New South Wales clubs took a part in the inaugural campaign and a special shout-out to our Blacktown City Sydney Olympic in the NPL and New South Wales space for supporting the initiative. Well, it's great to hear that uh, it has picked up. Of course, uh, it's to do with um, heart disease and sudden cardiac arrest. Uh, The heart of football founder Andy Pascalidis has been hugely passionate about this for a very long time. Uh, It's about rolling out defibrillators. It's about making sure they're at grounds. Uh, these obviously save people's lives, having defibrillators at grounds and the more clubs that adopt these initiatives to spread the awareness. It's good to hear. Obviously, you don't want these incidents to happen to begin with, but if you've got the equipment there, you might save someone's life and and that, of course, can be where uh, a sporting club can make a real difference in the community as well. So I'm glad to hear that it's, it's been adopted. All right, let's look ahead. Female Football Week is going to be celebrated nationally from the 19th to the 28th of May. Tatiana, tell us what is going to be involved in that. So Female Football Week is the encompassing round of football for all females out there. Football New South Wales is proud to have started the initiative back in 2014, providing the opportunity to acknowledge some of the biggest female contributors to our game and celebrate female participation. All the information, including on a number of development workshops being run, can be found at footballnewsouthwales.com.au. And with the FIFA Women's World Cup ahead 
coming up here in Australia, there has really never been a better time to participate and celebrate everything that we can about female football. It's it's not just playing too, because obviously playing is something that a lot of people will do as a result of the World Cup, but it's about having uh, women reflected in all roles in the game. So on field, off field, we're talking administrators, referees, coaches. It's particularly important to have more women that are in coaching roles, but also the media as well. And I think Football New South Wales can be applauded for we've got new women's voices doing match commentary, doing social media initiatives like this podcast as well. It, it's all about trying to bring the, the numbers up, basically, and create a welcoming space. And Tatiana, at your own club, I mean, how important is it that more women are taking up all of those roles, whether it's players, coaches, administrators, and, and what have you? I mean, it's a huge role. It is something that um, women should really be encouraging themselves to take a step forward and pushing themselves to make the move. Sport isn't just about the male species. It is about everyone and everything. Sport is a huge part of everyone's lives. And Needless to say, we need more women in the leagues. With Football New South Wales taking this initiative starting forward, we should congratulate them and applaud them because this is awesome. Like myself being here today, I couldn't be more thankful for this opportunity. So I'd like to thank you all for that. And I hope we continue and I get more girls to come through and see where we can go from there. Of course, uh, being a World Cup year, almost 10 years on from when Female Football Week started. So, it, I mean, it's been a pretty productive decade in that space, but I think everyone feels as though we can always do more. Let's move on now to our moment of the month. And we are talking about New South Wales leagues. So, of course, we're going to be picking out some highlights. And I am going to be focusing on the NPL. I've got a couple. I'm kind of torn in the men's APL, uh, NPL, I should say, because uh, at the top of the scoring charts, Alec Urashevsky has 14 goals already. I mean, he's the, the talk of the league. Rockdale, uh, you know, they've lost four games this year. They've had some mixed results. But he has scored half their goals for... 14 out of 28. The guys are phenomenal. And I think it, it's intriguing as to whether he'll lead Rockdale to the title this year. You know, will Rockdale get into the national second division? Will he be part of it? If Rockdale's not, where does he go? Does he stay loyal to Rockdale? You know, so I, he's a fascinating player. Um, he's just box office and, and you've got to watch him uh, every week, whether you're at the ground or watching the highlights. And so his scoring record, he was, he was already out of this world last season. And now he's taken it to another level this campaign. But... Uh, Tatiana, uh, we all saw this goal. Mount Druid Town Rangers, Anthony Frangi, the overhead kick against Sydney Olympic. Uh, Will Gotsis just took the commentary to the moon uh, with his level of excitement out at Poppendetta Park. And I, I tell you what, to see a moment like that in the NPL go viral, it's incredibly satisfying. It doesn't matter whether I was living in, in Melbourne or whether I've been living in Sydney, um, whether I see it happen in other states, Adelaide, Perth, um, Brisbane. Just to see this level of football go crazy around the world like this, it's always so satisfying to know that our product stacks up and is sort of a worldwide mark. And the Anthony Frangi goal was one of those moments. And, uh, you know, I'd love to think that with so much of the season to go, we might actually have a goal that goes even more viral than that one. It's going to have to be a pretty special goal. And I think Anthony Frangi will be pretty stiff not to win goal of the season already. But uh, I really loved that as my moment of the month. Uh, but I want to hear yours now because I feel as though you might even have something better than the Frangie goal. Well, I'm sure he's up for it and he must be feeling a fantastic about his goal there. 
uh, what an achievement that is. My moment of the month has to be the Festival of Football, the Gala Day Success. Uh, the celebration of Apia and Sydney Olympic uh, between the men's match and the women's match. But let's talk about the women's match, the atmosphere, the crowd, how awesome it was to see the women and the girls and everyone in the club participate. And it was just absolutely awesome considering the change in football and how much women's games are changing and how much we need to prepare for them. This is the starting point for it. And it's really, really cool to see that our local clubs like this, we have a crowd going and there's so much behind it. So that's an awesome month of football there. I was uh, at a different NPL game that afternoon, but I had the stream open. And when Arpia scored the first goal and uh, the the players all run over to their SAPs and their juniors, and they are loud because I've been to other games where they're there and they are seriously loud. Um, And I saw uh, one of the Optus cameramen uh, that I know, uh, Tom Radcliffe, there in the crowd and he's filming it all up close. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to make an incredible video. And then sure enough, afterwards, uh, Optus Sport, who were there, put out a little featurette about the day focusing on the women's match. But, I mean, the men's match had a great crowd as well. And that's what I think Football New South Wales has done, you know, really well. They've empowered the clubs to go and create these sort of events. And it's all credit to Arpia and Olympic for what they do to build the day, regardless of who's host and regardless of where the teams are on the table, they've put the time in both before COVID and after to build this into a special event. And I think, you know, you want this to be more than once a season. Of course. And you want it to be dictated by more than just where teams are on the ladder or do they have a historical rivalry. So I've got to say, huge success. Well done to both clubs. But, I mean, those fans, I'm telling you, I remember going to one game last year. I was there with a coach and we were there to watch a few players and chat about the game. And we had to move. We actually had to physically get up and move because those RPO women's team fans are so loud, you actually can't have a conversation if you're sitting on their half of the ground. Well, so. they've got to keep cheering. They've got to support their team. That's what they're there for. Well, the so fan base gets we're bringing back the crowd. It's nowhere <laughs> silent for me to have conversations with coaches at Grounds Tatiana. So. Well, you got to maybe, you know, sneak into the change rooms. There's other options and alternatives, but (laughs) you girls keep cheering. Don't worry about what Taya has to say here. So it's time to get into our guests and our NPL New South Wales men's player that we're going to focus on today is Dom Costanzo of the Marconi Stallions. Should need no introduction given the season that he's having so far. He's been a regular goal scorer and has been a key part of them pushing up into the upper reaches of the table. Dom, it's great to have your company. Thanks for having me. Mate, I just want to say it's phenomenal to think that you are still only 21 and you don't turn 22 until quite a bit later in the year. It feels as though you've been out there establishing your name and getting known around the NPL scene, both in South Australia and in New South Wales, for quite some time now. How do you feel at your age? Do you feel like you're an established senior player at this point or do you still feel like you're a young player making your way in the game? I think a bit bit of both. Like, I think even the other day, someone asked me how old I was and I was like, 21 i have to think like i still i still do feel younger but yeah i am obviously getting older but i think now i'm yeah starting to feel a bit more like a senior player considering we have a few younger boys in the team this year but yeah it's a bit a bit 50 50 i think now you're coming off a great season last year where you made the new south wales npl men's team of the year do you feel as though your football is at a high or moving towards a peak at the moment? I mean, is your body in a good place? How would you assess your current form and where you're actually at with your game? I think at the moment, our body's feeling feeling pretty good. We, we were in the cup, so we're going to be playing two games a week, uh, like every second week, but we got knocked out. So that it's, a, it's, an, it's not a good thing, but then again, it could be a positive as well. At least 
you know, we won't have to back it up midweek. But um, I don't know. Yeah, my body's feeling feeling pretty good. Yeah, and then with with form, I, I think I'm doing not too bad individually. Obviously, always uh, always want a little bit more. Could always score a few more goals. I've, I've missed a few chances, so I can't say I'm happy, but I can also say I'm disappointed as well because um, yeah, I always want a little bit more. Could could say, could say I'm a little bit greedy. Uh, Dom, you should be careful. You're only 21 years old. Some of the listeners might be a bit offended saying that your body's out of whack. You should be very grateful for all the bones you have there. Yeah, I know. Actually, I've, I've spoken to Robbie in the team, Sparenza, and he's even said, he goes, your body's not really like a how a 21-year-old should be. Like, I'm not, not 100%. Like, I feel good, but I'm definitely, uh, definitely, definitely out of whack in a few, few areas. So. <laughs> Well, one thing that has been going pretty well is the form of Marconi. It hasn't been perfect this season, but you are pushing up to the upper reaches of the table. And I guess now that there's no final series, the ambition is the title. And it doesn't that just add a, a heap more pressure and sort of stakes to each game and, and the three points each week, knowing that there's not much of a safety net. It's either top or nothing. It's not like there's a top five or there's an opportunity to win the championship in a final series. How has that changed the mindset of yourself and also the boys week to week through the season? Coming into the season, I'm not too sure if we all actually understood how how important it was to win. Like, obviously, you want to win every single game, but like you said, there's no finals. We have to come top if we want to win something. So that maybe put us a step behind. Like, if we didn't know before, we definitely know now that we're asking for a lot because there's no uh, top five or top six. Now, you are at Marconi where, uh, I must admit, I am old enough to have seen uh, your dad play in the NSL for Marconi, not just in the A-League for Adelaide. But when you're walking through the club rooms, when you're walking through the hallways and, and the old grandstand there, do you feel the history and do you feel that sort of connection to what Angelo was able to do at that club? When I first got there, maybe not as much, but I definitely do now because after going into the club after a game or after training and you see you see people that they come up and they ask, oh, where's, where's Costanza? Not even, not even knowing who I am, they just know my dad and they want to, they want to meet me because, and that's how you see how, uh, like how special it can be. And with the kit men as well, like we have two kit men, but Robbie Philippin, for example, he's been there when my dad was there and before my dad. So he's, he's seen it. You know what I mean? And so that, when I see things like that, like this, it's, it's pretty special because he's had the copper for my dad, and now he, he's copping it for me a little bit when <laughs> when my clothes when my clothes are a little bit wet or something. Like I feel I feel bad, but he uh, he gives it back. Don't worry. I think the great thing about our league at the moment and everything in between all of this is the fact that we do have these connections like growing up having your dad at the club and now you obviously playing for Marconi as well. It must be such a huge honour specifically like you have that family last name and tradition there with all that culture and everything else in between. You should be really honoured that you actually get to play under your father and um, having all these supporters around you congratulating you in and out every week for all your hard work. So that you should be very proud of that. Yeah, no, I am. I definitely am. And um, don't worry. I, I was, I was going to try and make a joke and say, like, oh, did my dad play for Marconi? But don't worry, everyone, everyone reminds him. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is special. Like, not many, not many people can say they've 
like with the same club as their as their dad had. So yeah, no, I'm I'm grateful grateful for that. Now I, I just wanted to ask you a quick one about the next level up, and and this is probably when you speak to most media outlets, what you get asked, which is, can you make the jump to the A League? Where's your next trial? Where's your next in going to be? So what is your current mindset with regards to that? Is it something that you take as it comes, or is it something that is very much still motivating your football to make that step up to full time professionalism? Oh no, it's definitely it's definitely something that I'm pushing for. Maybe last year it was in my maybe in my head a little bit too much because that was obviously individually like my end goal to all right do what I do with Marconi, but that's that's what I want at the end of the year and that's to go to the next level and that obviously didn't happen. So now I, I see it more as job to do first with Marconi and if it and if it all should fall in place like if, if we're winning games, if we're top, if I'm playing well, I'm scoring goals, doing what I have to do. It should all fall into place, you know what I mean? So I think you can only control the, like control the controllables really. Like stuff's like out of my hands. I can't I can't I can't control that, can I? So I have to deal with what's in front of me at the moment. And but yeah, I definitely definitely do want to make the jump if an opportunity comes up again. But for now I'm just hundred percent focused on Marconi. Dom, the one question I wanna ask you is if you do make the jump we all know you for your infamous fashion sense down at the club with your very low socks and your very interesting shin guards. If you do make the jump, will that be continuing with you in the full-time league? 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see why, why, should, why that should change. Um, I, I look at well, someone that I look, not look up to, but someone that I try to mold my game around is um, Kavan Skelia from, from Napoli, and he does it. I don't... No, I don't think anyone pays him out, and he's got the low socks and the the high shorts. So, if he can do it, yeah, it's a yeah, definitely a yes. It's a bit of a um, superstition thing, is it for you? You just enjoy that sort of style, and you go out there and play your best, don't you? Yeah, well, you could call it a little bit of a superstition. Like I remember talking to someone the other day about it from work. Um, I used to wear my socks all the way up, so like you couldn't see no leg. And a coach told me off. They're like, "What are you doing?" Well, I'm, you like, All right. I'm like, "All right, I'll just do. The, I'll just do the opposite, and I'll put Extreme, it as well as I yeah. can." You know what I mean? And then I think I might have like this was a couple of years ago, and it was like the first game I've done, and I actually played all right. And then since then, I've just haven't swapped it. It does take me a while to try and try and get the socks in the right spot. Like all the boys are always complaining because I'm the last one to get ready. So it really like, is a superstition. Uh, it might be. Yeah, yeah. Like we're in the. Everyone's in the team huddle, and I don't even have my shirt on, and I'm trying to fix my my shin pads and my socks, and I won't I won't go out until I get it get it perfect. So yeah, it is a superstition. Now we've caught you after work. What is work? Because uh, I understand there's a pretty strong connection to the NPL through your work. Yeah, I'm, I work at um, Alfagi and, and Jocker, which is run by the Trafuras, and everyone would know the Trafuras, I'm pretty sure in Sydney. So I don't think I need to give them another plug. I think they get they get enough as it is. But um, yeah, I'm just. Just working, working in the warehouse, doing doing as much as I can. Um, if anyone follows Glenn on Instagram, they see that I'm the barista as well. I bring the coffee most days for everyone down the back. So whatever's whatever's needed, and I basically do it. Mate, it's great to hear. Um, maybe you will be able to ditch it for full-time football uh, if you play your cards right. Who knows? But uh, it's good to hear <laughs> that you're connected to the game pretty much 24-7. Now, to, to bring us home, Tatiana's got some rapid-fire questions here for you, Dom. So uh, answer as best you can because she's about to grill you with uh, a couple of uh, quick-fire 60 seconds to bring us home. Are you ready, Dom? Oh, here we go. I'm ready when you're ready. Okay, your first question is, most difficult player you've played against? In Sydney or... Together. Can be anywhere. Whatever you'd like. Ooh. 
I'll, I'll keep it in. I'll keep it in Sydney. Dakota Askew was pretty hard to get past last year when he played. Um, when he played at Blacktown. All right. I think I actually. I, I think I actually said to him, "I hope. I uh, hope you don't play next time because uh, I can't get past you today." <laughs> so he was. I'll give him a bit of a plug. He was pretty good. So you got a bit of a rivalry there. That sounds good. Okay. Yeah, my hopefully, next... hopefully, hopefully he plays left back next time with Versa. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question is Messi or Ronaldo. Personally, Ronaldo, but Messi is. Messi won the World Cup, so I think he's he's jumped him. That's your twenty-one-year-old in you. All righty. <laughs> uh, next question: yeah. pre-game pump-up playlist. Oh, uh, anything great. Sounds good. All righty. Next question: up-and-coming youth player at Marconi to watch out for. Ooh, Justin Vidic, because he is actually just started playing with us. He come on, scored a double against Macarthur, which was good. But also uh, Luka Knezovic. Yes, Justin is a little pocket rocket there. So is Luca. Another another young Serbian. Next question: Adelaide or Sydney? Oh, I don't want people to get angry at me, but no, Adelaide's Adelaide's home. I was born in Sydney, but Adelaide's home. It's uh, I think it suits my my lifestyle a little bit. It's a little bit laid back and a couple uh, a couple speeds behind Sydney. It's too fast in Sydney, I think. Dom, I'm not sure we're going to be able to add that one in for our listeners here, but Ooh. we'll let you pass. I think they'll be all right. <laughs> Your favourite away ground in the NPL New South Wales? Wind Stadium, Wollongong. Nice, near the beach as well. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Second last question, pineapple and pizza, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm Italian, so I have to say no. But I should not mind it sometimes. Maybe next day, like, if it's a pizza I didn't order and, like, my sister has a leftover, I'll eat it. Okay, Don, we're going to have to cut that last bit out as well. We're just going to keep the Italian heritage and say no to that. I uh, don't cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> and final question for you. Espresso, piccolo or latte? And considering you're a barista, you've got to give us your top one. Uh, piccolo, I reckon. It's a little bit of milk. Perfect. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Dom, enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks for jumping on the Football New South Wales podcast. We appreciate your time and we look forward to seeing what you can do out on the pitch for the rest of the campaign. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tatiana, it's time to talk NPL New South Wales women's. And our guest this week is from the MacArthur Rams. It is Alex Hewn. Alex, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And we find you uh, at a very interesting time of the season, but also at an interesting time of your career at the MacArthur Rams at the moment. How are you? And how's football treating you? Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, Yeah, like you mentioned, it is like a very exciting time, um, both at Rams and for like my career. I never honestly thought I would be playing at MacArthur Rams just because I've always had such a rivalry with the club, just because they've just been such like an amazing club and I've always played for my pony so that's always been kind of a clash but um yeah no I'm excited to kind of jump in and chat all things like NPL. Well I wanted to ask what what purpose and function is the NPL serving for you this season because we didn't see you in the A-League over the last summer so is it about finding fitness or love of the game are you coming back from an injury what actually is the ambition and what is it that you're looking to get out of the current season? Yeah, that's a good question. Obviously, like like you mentioned, I didn't play Wanderers last year. So for me this year, um, I've kind of taken more of a leadership role just because our squad is so young. And I am kind of just kind of finding that balance between loving the game and also just kind of finding what I want to do with it. So this season for me is kind of just figuring out what I want to do moving forward just because I am kind of getting a little bit old. So, um, yeah, just trying to figure out what I want to do in terms of football and life and 
and all those good things. It's amazing you say that because I, I refuse to let you get away with saying that you're old uh, for starters. <laughs> Mate, yeah, but it's, it's I feel pro- like I've been around. Yeah. Pr- probably just the function of, of so many young teenagers coming through the doors. But I guess you've been there and, and you mentioned taking on a leadership role this season. So when you see players that are in the junior Matildas or the young Matildas set up and they're coming in as you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds and, and you're now in your mid-20s, you talk about a leadership role. What does that actually entail for you and how different has that made you see the game? Yeah, well, like, as you mentioned, we do have a few young girls that are on, like, like are in future Matilda programs, like young Matilda teams. And I just remember when I was, like, 15, 16 and I was playing W League, it was just – I remember just feeling so intimidated and just, like, like a little bit of imposter syndrome. So, for me, I just kind of want to help foster um, – the confidence within the young players because some of the young players coming through are honestly unreal. And the girls we have at Rams um, are literally like first class, top shelf. So for me, I just kind of want to help those girls just kind of find their feet, find their confidence because honestly, they're going to be stars in the future. And if I can do anything to kind of help them and make them feel more comfortable, then that, I'd, I'd put my hand up and I'll do that. Alex, you've basically answered a question I was just about to ask oh. you, which was how much the women's games have changed and how oh. we need to pre- how we need to prepare for it. But continuing on with this, um, if you'd like to continue, what is something that the fans don't know enough about being a female athlete? And considering all these changes coming through, what can you tell uh, to the girls and to all our listeners out there? Yeah, so obviously it's it's amazing to see how far the game has come. I think I think my first W League season was. 2010 I was in U10 I would have been 16 and at the time I was playing for Newcastle Jets so I would have to drive up and down the M1 like three or four times a week and I think my whole season I got paid $700 and I was so I was so happy with that I was ecstatic um, I'm guessing so you weren't paying for the petrol if that's the case <laughs> oh, no, I didn't have my license obviously not so poor old mum had to come drive me up and down um, so I'd leave school at one o'clock I wouldn't get home till 10 and then I'd do that three or four times a week and then we had a game on the weekend um so obviously just in terms of like logistical things like and then I even remember the first season at Wanderers we didn't even have change rooms so you know we're talking 2012 brand new club and the women's game just like you know was still evolving so in terms of just the hard yards yeah they've definitely we've definitely put them in but um it's just so exciting to see what how much the game's grown and obviously like how much it's going to continue to grow because obviously with the world cup coming up this year you know we've got with the Matildas, like with the new documentary, it's just such an exciting time to be a football fan in Australia. And I guess, you know, before we have the World Cup, there will be Female Football Week in in the Football New South Wales League. Yeah. And it's a chance to actually take that enthusiasm and apply it to a local level. You know, you're out there at the grassroots, the training mm. sessions, the juniors. You've got that Matildas cap. You know, you are a, a Matilda for life, which must be exciting <laughs> to know that. But how, how important is it and how much responsibility do you feel to make sure that when we talk about a World Cup legacy in this country, mm. that you as someone who is part of that Matildas family gets to pass it on directly to the grassroots level? Yeah, obviously, like, it's such an important thing to just kind of reiterate the culture and the history of Matildas because it is, if you look at it, like, across the board, across countries, Australia and the Matildas have such a rich culture. And I think, obviously, like, for me, the biggest thing is to remind the girls, like, the the struggles and the hardships and, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of all these amazing players and then in the future they have to continue to do that. So I think that's, like, a really important and crucial element that I kind of want to pass on. It's like... Just because we've evolved so far doesn't mean we're at the we're at the peak, we're at the epitome of it. So I think 
reminding the girls that they need to keep pushing and keep being leaders and, you know, and being just like amazing role models, which they are. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. And also, like you mentioned, the grassroots, we've got Sapphire Cup now as well. So honestly, I'm really, really excited to get stuck into that because we're going to see players from different levels kind of like, yeah, play against each other and just kind of see the diversity of football within football New South Wales. There is huge changes happening all around our league in the women's league yeah. specifically. And it's so good yeah. to see. And it's so refreshing to also hear from, uh, one of our top stars as well, like yourself, to talk about these things and (laughs) come out and, you know, tell these girls, you know, this is what it was like when I was your age and look at it now. Mm. So, I mean, you know, especially with the World Cup coming along, it's going to be a huge preparation. I don't think anyone is actually prepared on how this is going to have a huge dynamic impact and the change it's going to bring. So, well done. Oh, thanks. I don't think, honestly, I did nothing. I've just kind of like stood there. But, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. And I just think, I hope that Australia as a country and the football fans in this country can just get behind the girls, support them, and just we ride that wave of momentum and, you know, and we just carry that legacy moving forward because I think it's going to be really exciting this World Cup. And I, I honestly think we have a great chance of, of doing really, really well at this World Cup. Well, uh, speaking of uh, teams that have a great chance of doing well this season, MacArthur, I want to talk about oh. your team because you are flying and uh, the uh, the veteran Lena Karmas, she's still got it. I mean, you would have played against her. I don't know if you ever crossed over as teammates in the No, this in is the, the first League. time. First time you've been teammates. What's it like to have her on your team rather than have to play against her? I'm going to be honest. I had to call up and ask for permission before I signed there because it was always a bit flighty. Obviously, I'm a centre-back. She's a striker. So we got into it quite a bit before. But um, honestly, you know, like the... Just the wealth of experience, the quality, just the knowledge. Like we'll be at training and she's just dropping nuggets of gold. So um, it's it's honestly like a relief to be on her team, to be honest, and especially the form she's got this year. Like I don't know how she's still at the top of the game, but um, yeah, I'm so glad she's on my team. And then obviously like MacArthur Rams, we, they've always just had such a like, rich culture and history and, and they've always kind of found success in the league. So I'm just happy to kind of be able to contribute to that. And we heard you were a big rap for some of the youngsters, but one player who has caught my eye last season as well, I was kind of surprised that no one picked her up in the A-League over summer, maybe because uh, work's in the way, I don't know. But Laura Murta, she actually reminds me a lot of someone you would have played against, Ashley Sykes. Is there a reason? Is she the best kept secret in uh, the NPL New South Wales, Alex? Or is there a reason why we haven't seen her at a higher level of the game? Mate, I have no idea why she's not being picked up. She's literally just... Every like everything you want out of a striker, she has. Like she's literally, she's she got a first touch. It's amazing. She's fast. She's fit. She's physical. She's tactically like well rounded, and she finishes. So I don't know what else you know the coaches are looking for, but I that's a question I've asked myself because I've only obviously played with her last season and this season, and honestly, she's second to none. I'd pick her on my team every single day of the week. So I don't know. That's a question you've got to ask the coaches, but. Yeah, she's, she's, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of her. Now, before we get into some uh, quickfire questions from Tatiana to finish, I, I guess one other thing I wanted to ask was about your journey because you, you've had the, the fun and the enjoyment of playing yeah. in a number of different countries and you have firsthand experience of where football can take you. And I guess, you know, there's a lot of code wars out there. We, we see, you know, AFL, you know, wants to come in and take players. We've got the rugby codes. We've got cricket. But one thing that football's got, I think, that the other sports don't is that it is a global game and you can go anywhere. And I guess how, how important for you in terms of your experience in the game, is it that you've played in the countries that you did and you've had the experiences that you've had and that football opened those doors for you? 
Yeah, yeah. I think if you just kind of look at the things I've done, I've always kind of taken the the road less travelled. I went to college in America. You know, I've I went to played in Italy. I played in Denmark. I played in the W League. And I just think football has that ability to kind of you know take you around the world if you if you allow it. Obviously, it's it's hard. It's challenging. But um, if you if anyone ever gets the opportunity to travel and play football and make friends and just kind of create these relationships. Yeah, I would definitely say take them because the things I've like experienced, like the teams I've played for, the people I've met are just, yeah, unreal. So to all our listeners out there, um, everything that Alex has just said is if you have an opportunity in front of you, go and get it because you never know what doors it's going to open. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's really exciting, yeah. One more serious football question from me before (laughs) Tatiana does the rapid fire. let's go. Yep, your coach uh, and the way the team is coached. I guess the level of NPL New South Wales women's is very impressive. There's a lot of high-standard players and a lot of the games are played at at close to the intensity of A-League women's and the gap is probably as close as it's ever been. How important is the coaching and the leadership of the MacArthur Rams to playing the way that you do? Yeah, obviously, we're, I think we've probably got one of the best coaches in the league in Stevie Peters. Like, I think his biggest asset is his ability to manage players and kind of find their strengths and kind of utilise the strengths and then also um, help them work on their weaknesses. So I think a lot of our success does come down to just the tactical mind of, of Stevie Peters, but also all the boys at the board. Um, I think just how much they believe in us and everything. Every time they say they're going to do something, they do it. So just having that support and the belief behind us from a board member's level um, and then obviously just having the players that buy in. So everyone's bought into the culture, everyone's buying into what we want to achieve as a team and I think that's kind of where we're finding success. I love hearing that. Strong club creating a strong team. As now, they should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, I've promised that Tatiana would have rapid-fire questions to finish, Alex, so you're nearly off the hook but not before... I'm a bit Ta- nervy. No, nah, yeah. not before... Don't worry, Tatiana's going to keep good. you on your toes. All right, fire away. All right, my 60 seconds Q&A. Are you ready, Alex? I'm sweating but I'll be all right. Ah, you'll Let's be go. good. Okay, my first question for you is your most difficult player you've played against but I think you already answered that for us but you can go again. <laughs> Oh, yeah, obviously, like, Lena, she's just, like, quality. But you, any, any, I'm going to be honest, any fast striker I come against is always difficult because I'm not the fastest, but I'm definitely the strongest. So, yeah, you've got, like, your Courtney Vines, your Sam Kerr's. Like, anyone that has a bit of speed, always a bit tricky. But, um, yeah. Well, at least you still have your strength there. It doesn't matter about the speed yeah, at the end exactly. of the day. Okay, my second question for you is this season's NPL New South Wales Dark Horse team. Oh, I think just based on current form at the moment, it's got to be Bulls. They've come out of nowhere and they've they just beaten on Tigers 3-1 last weekend. And I think if you watch their games, it's just they're going to be a, a tough team to play in a few weeks. Something spicy, something fresh, hey? Yeah, like a very exciting team. All righty. My third question for you is Arsenal or Chelsea women? Oh, Chelsea. Definitely? Just because of the depth they have on their team. Like, yeah, Sam Kurt scores a lot of goals, but the international quality they have on their team, like – I'd, I'd back Chelsea any day. Amazing. I love that response. All right. Your go-to pump-up playlist. Oh, I'm, I'm never a DJ because my songs are the worst. So I'll, pull my first, like, I'll be the first one to put my hand up and say, don't listen to my playlist. But right now, Zach Bryan, I'm into country. Okay. I don't know why. Something new? That's not... It's embarrassing, yeah. Yep. That's not the first thing you'd think hey, of I'm for a footballer. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's definitely yeah, not. Yeah, no. I have to play Zen music. Otherwise, yeah. I get too too into it. It's all right. Sometimes it's maybe better to have that than some of the techno that some people listen to. Okay. Save that for after the game. (laughs) Your 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup winner. Oh, 
I got to back the girls and say in the Tilders. Um, obviously, you've got your, your strong powerhouses like England or France, and they're going to be they're going to be tough. You got to stick with the green and gold, hey, don't you? Of course. Okay, your go-to pre-game meal? Oh, potatoes. I love potatoes. Yeah, any form of potatoes, sign me up. Oh, beautiful. That is good to hear. Okay, up and coming young player at the club you need to watch out for. Well, we've got a few. I don't think I could just now point point like put one down, but maybe like you've got your Maya, Maya Lobo. She's quality technically, like tackling. She's switched on. Um, you've got Tegan Birdo. She's pretty switched on. And then you've also got Indy. Who's um? I think we haven't even scratched the surface with her yet. So fantastic, very exciting. So those are some of the girls to look out for this season, most mm. definitely. All right, your favourite away ground in the NPL New South Wales? Hmm. Um, that's tricky because honestly, I hate playing away. Um, there's nothing nice to say about away games sometimes. Yeah, literally, <laughs> there's nothing. I, I honestly don't have one. Anytime we play away, it's just not good. Okay, well, we'll leave that as that it is. We'll just keep a mystery mark on that one. Your favourite pizza topping? Controversial. I don't like pizza. Uh, see, I was actually talking to our um, team today and I said we should be careful about that question, but someone didn't want to listen to me. So there we go. There's our answer for that. Yeah. <laughs> and my final question for you, Alex, is, is is it an espresso, a piccolo or latte? Oh, I'm a strong, soy flat white kind of gal. Oh, that's all right. It's all right. Coffee is coffee at the end of the day. Everyone loves the good old coffee. And if you're a flat white yeah, drinker, definitely. that's what you are. I know. I think it's showing me age a little bit. I think when you start ordering a flat white, it's time to kind of hang up the boots. <laughs> well, don't hang them up too quickly. Alex Hewn, thank you for taking us inside the MacArthur Rams and giving us some insights into both the club and also yourself. We really appreciate your time on the Football New South Wales podcast. Great chatting with you, Alex. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, as part of the Football New South Wales Leagues podcast, we love to talk about all the competitions and it means that our focus now is going to go to the League One men's. St George FC and their captain, Troy Danaskos, joins us on the line. Troy, it is a pleasure to be talking to you. Thanks for having us, guys. So tell us about the season so far. How have you assessed your team's performance? What are you happy with and what has not gone so well? Uh, look, we've definitely, you know, obviously we've had a strong start. We're sitting, uh, we're sitting second at the moment. But um, look, you know, we're heading in the right direction. Um, I think, you know, and that starts from the top. You know, the the coaching staff are fantastic, and they've they've got us playing a free flowing uh, style of football, and that's obviously reflected in our, our performances. So um, yeah, look, at, at the moment we're we're doing really, really well. Um, we're playing good football. We're just conceding some goals that are, you know, not good. But you know, I'm sure we'll um, we'll fix that in the next up, uh, upcoming games. It's been a hugely competitive league, and as far as meeting your preseason expectations, where are you at this stage of the season relative to what you were hoping to have, but also what you were expecting to have? Look, I, I, I assumed we were going to be easily in the top three um, throughout the whole season, and you know that's obviously reflected at the moment. Um, you know, obviously you want to be first. You know, it's a, as you said, it's a highly competitive league. You know, people want to get promoted, clubs want to get promoted, um, so they're investing in a lot of players. And you know, the, the club did invest this year and. Um, you know, we brought a few players from obviously St George City and um, I think that's – and obviously they, we won the league last year, so I think that's obviously reflecting in our performances at the moment. But, yeah, look, at, at this point in time, I think we're doing quite well and, you know, we're very happy with where we are. Who've been your stars? Who is at the moment at the peak of their game, the guys that if you are going to win promotion, if you are going to win this league, need to maintain that level over the course of the marathon, having established themselves in the season so far? 
Can I can I say myself? Is that all right? You what? absolutely can say yourself. Well, you did your goal of the week today as well. I saw on the oh. lovely um, <laughs> Instagram yeah, stories. Was, yeah, that was a that was a nice goal. But no, nah, look, I'm only joking. Um, look, Jay, Jay McGowan, our left winger, is, is a very um, you know very good player. He's he's been doing really well. Anthony Morabito has been scoring a few goals. Um, we've got a we've got an um, a import player uh, by the name of Shunta. He's he's really come in and. and you know, really changed our game up, our whole dynamic up top. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of the goals have been spread out across across all the players. You know, we've got a few players on five five goals, four goals. Um, unfortunately, Connor Quilligan is is injured at the moment. Um, he he did his shoulder, so he's been out for a few weeks. But he was really doing well um, up until his injury. So yeah, look, I think I can't really pinpoint one exact player, but you know, we have a lot of players that are doing really well at the moment. And yeah, Troy, I'm going to make a quick mention here. I'm actually from uh, Bonnering. I yep. am the content creator and social media advisor there. I can actually give you a bit of a backtalk banter here, considering we had a very interesting game a couple of weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> With our league at the moment, as you said, each club is battling, battling it out, um, in and out the field. What do you think the predictions are as the season rolls over very soon? In terms of who's going to be up there? Yeah, what do you think? How are you going? Oh, it's, it's a tough one. Obviously, we played we played Hills the other week, and um, you know they were quite strong and... and um, well organised, and you know they they ended up beating us four one. I think it was a four one game, but you know they ended up getting us. They they took their four chances, and they did really well. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like obviously, I think they're between like eleventh and and third. I think isn't there like four points in between those like for that gap? It's actually from the fourth spot to the tenth spot at the moment. There's only about two three points, and um, we've only got at least two two more games until the season starts again from the top. So. Yeah, it's it's super tight. I can't I can't really pick it. I think Northern Tigers will come up there. Yeah. Um, you know, Bonnie Riggs obviously got an experienced team and you know they're they're quite dangerous as well as you saw in that game. Um but yeah, look, I can't I can't really pick it exactly. Blacktown Spartans are up there. Um SD Raiders are doing well this year compared to last year. So I think it's it's definitely it's unpredictable and it's it's kind of hard to pick. You know, if you lose a game or two, you you drop down considerably. Yeah, and not only that, even if you win a game, the point variation on the ladder is very interesting and coming yeah, in and out each week. You know, yeah. it's going to be a tough season to talk about promotion as well as who your up-and-comers are. And I think definitely it's a league to talk about because it is so interesting watching each game happen each Saturday. Mm. And, that, and that's that's what League One's all about, you know what I mean? It's all about getting that promotion. And you see that anywhere across the world, right? It's always quite interesting. And, and I think this year doing the first past the post is, is a fantastic um initiative and, and and it's you know it's it makes it, it applies a lot more pressure um on us to perform week in week out you know what i mean well given your knowledge of the scene in in new south wales and the expansion of the top division and obviously the size of the second division how do you how do you assess the landscape at the moment it feels as though you know the carrot of the national second division has been dangled out in front of a handful of clubs and maybe it's starting to really drive standards to a level we haven't seen for some time are you experiencing that as a flow on effect into the second tier yeah of course and you know at the end of the day i had to, i had a, I actually did a podcast uh, four or five years ago now and this was just after i finished up the ba league and um you know, I got asked the same question about the the second tier, and I didn't think we were really at that stage. I didn't think we were really ready for a second tier in terms of financially, and you know, in terms of crowd numbers and all that kind of stuff. And look, obviously, since then, I think it has. I wouldn't say it's improved massively, but I think it has improved a little bit. You know, with with social media and all that kind of stuff, and there's a little bit more publicity around it. But yeah, I definitely think we're we're getting there. 
but I still think there needs to be a little bit more um, influence from crowd numbers and um, maybe TV rights. I think would help as well. Um, obviously, Paramount's come in and they've, they've done they've done really well with the A League. There's nothing wrong with what you're saying at all, but. To- to be fair to say, we've actually had quite decent crowds all season within the leagues um, with most games. Like when you watch over the VEO with your highlights and stuff with your own club, you can yeah, tell there's, there's, there's yeah. numbers coming in and it's really cool to see. Yeah, they've um, our, 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 our little um, our youth teams, have, they've created like a Snapchat page where they, you know, they, they, they call it they, the Saints Army and, and they came last week and they, they put up like all the, the green, white and, um, and red. And you know it's it's fantastic to honour the club. You know it's it's such a historic club, and for for the youth to really be getting behind our first grade and, and creating chance and you know coming into the change room. I like heard all of them at the Bonnering versus St George game. It was fantastic to see. Yeah. Um, even the kids at our club, they're doing the same thing. So it's really cool oh, to see. That's awesome. The awesome. Um, engagement there from the youth. No, that's that's what you need, right? And that, and then and pushes them to aspire to play first grade. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, and yeah, look, it's it's really good for the club, and I hopefully all all clubs get behind it and all the youth teams and work gets around, and um, it will just make the leagues much more obviously more demanding and more of a chance to play at that higher level. Now, Troy, just for a change of pace to something a little bit more serious, because uh, an important thing that I wanted to raise with you was uh, the Make It Red Heart Health Round, which was held in Football New South Wales recently. I understand that the importance of defibrillators, uh, particularly at games, is so important to you and your family. What's the story that means that you have a personal connection? Yeah, so um, look, last year, April, my dad had um, my dad was playing for um, Connells Park. And, uh, sorry, Connell's point. And, you know, he was running down the sideline and he crossed the ball and he was sort of backtracking and he, and he collapsed um, and he had a cardiac arrest. So he was, I think he was presumed dead for about 10 minutes. And the, the defibrillator was actually locked at Pico's Park. It wasn't actually there. So the, the, the teammates had to smash the door open. Um, but yeah, look, obviously lucky with, there was a defibrillator there. Um, and, you know, he was revived and the, the, the fireys came down just from the, up the road. There's a fire station and they got a call in from an anonymous person and they came in and, and obviously saved dad. Look, I wasn't there at the time. I was at home. I live at Illawong, so I'm not too far from there. Um, I don't know if I should be saying this. This is probably the quickest I've ever gone from Illawong to Peakhurst, um, obviously, to, 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 um, to be with dad. But, yeah, it was probably the most depressing day of my life and it was the most disturbing day. I've never been so distraught and um Obviously, it wasn't good to see, but look, at the end of the day, we are so thankful and so grateful that there was a defibrillator there and there was professionals at the scene within, you know, three or four minutes. It was it was crazy. But um, yeah, look, the, the amount of support we've received during that time was fantastic. Obviously, um, Andy Pascalides is part of the Heart Foundation as well, the defibrillators. He's the one that's got behind it all throughout the St. George Association. And, um, you know, he was the one that made sure that there was defibrillators at every ground. And, you know, we're, we're thankful for Andy as well and all the, the work he put in with us as, um, as a family. But, yeah, it was it was a dark day, I'll tell you that. And, um, you know, I never want to go through that again. But thank you nonetheless for telling us your story because I, I can appreciate how difficult it was but how much worse it could have been and, and how important is that message to clubs to make sure they arm themselves with, you know, a life-saving tool like that? Exactly. And the thing is as well, it happened to another – it's happened a few to, a few times now since that, you know what I mean? So it's it's so it's obviously super imperative that we have defibrillators at every ground. It doesn't matter what, what, what level you're playing at, 
you know, what intensity you're playing at. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And that was obviously reflected in what happened to dad. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I, I don't like, I like, I don't like to bring up the past, but it's, it's knowing now what's happened. It's so important for the future for, for everyone else. You know, I don't want anyone to go through what we went through as a family during that dark time. And, um, yeah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing the story though. And I think it is an important story to tell on a, a lighter note to finish the values that you set as a leader at your own club culture sort of you know dressing room dynamic but also the standards and the values are you the uh the chief fine officer in terms of who breaks team rules are you the one that administers it or do you have someone else that drives those standards within your four walls i'm not i'm not fine master this year um vlaster is vlasterlitzer he's the he's the one that um he was the one that does all the fines i've done it in the past and i'm over it now i don't have enough time to do that. he can do that is, is he got um, revenge on you then or what's the story no, no, no. He's he, <laughs> he's a he's a heavy fine master. That's good. He's on he's on top of it. He's got his he's old school, but he's got the book out, and you know he writes things down with a pen, which is fantastic. And we do um we do double demerits as well. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. So like if it's if it's Anzac Day, it's double demerit week. Um, you know Easter, whatever. Um, we we double the fines. So no, nah, look, it's it's always a bit of banter, and you need you know what you need that kind of stuff within the four walls. You know what I mean. Um, but look, in terms of expectations, I've obviously got high expectations of myself. So I want I want that to to fizzle down to the players. And I think, you know, last year St George, I don't know if you were following the league last year. You know, St George Saints, because I was at St George City last year, and St George Saints they they played beautiful football. You know what I mean? And they obviously didn't get the results that they wanted. But I think this year, you know, a bit of experience and leadership's come in, and I think it's changed the whole dynamic of the club. And I think the boys sort of understand what it takes to win a competition now. And then the the expectations, you know, every day at training when you're there, you know, you've got to give 100% effort. It doesn't matter what we're doing, okay? You need you need that expectation to be high all the time because it's obviously reflected in your performances. But, yeah, look, I, I think I have a good balance of, of banter and being serious at times, um, but you need that, right? Well, Troy, it's going to be a fascinating run to the finish line in the competition. Still a long way to go and a lot of matches to be played. So all the best to you and your team. Thank you for joining us on the Football New South Wales podcast and thank you for your insights into your club and yourself and the road ahead for the rest of the campaign. You're welcome, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Best of luck and I'll see you next time on the field. Done. I'll see you next round. Of course. (laughs) All the best. Thank you for chatting with us. Let's go to our coaching focus now because the Central Coast Mariners have such an exciting time coming up in women's football. Dan Barrett has done it all in the National Leagues in Australia. He's been part of the old W League. He is now in charge of the Central Coast Mariners women's team. And, uh, well, Dan, as you join us, it is a pretty exciting time, not least because you have a hands-on role in the future of a club that's definitely going places in the next 12 months. Absolutely. Very, very exciting time and um, just so grateful to be a part of it and just so grateful that it's finally happened. Um, you know, I'm just a, a coach that's just like many of the players here that's always had to travel to Sydney for opportunities to play um, and opportunities to coach. And now whether you're a coach on the Central Coast or you're, you're a female player with aspirations to play at the highest level, we can we can do that now. We're in the yellow and, and training on the Central Coast and playing out of the Central Coast. So it's, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Before we get into the A-League women's side of things, let's talk about League One women's in football New South Wales. Tell us about how the season's going so far. And for those that aren't familiar with the competition, tell us about your team. 
Yeah, look, our team is a team of uh, girls made up from, from some from Sydney, uh, majority from the Central Coast, and then uh, obviously some from Newcastle. Um, we're competing in the competition this year, and we've obviously got some young girls in there, obviously, with aspirations to play A-League women's. And my job is obviously to give those girls every opportunity to make that team, obviously also within the academy. My role is also to um, be the TD for the academy and, and bring the girls through into that, into that top program. We're pushing for promotion. We, we'd, love, we'd love our team to be competing in the NPL1 competition. We think that would sit real nicely and, and support our A-League women's team in future. So that's the task that I've, that I've taken on um, to try and get the, uh, get the academy into the NPL1. And so far, so good. But to be fair, we, we, we're running the team just like they were an A-League women's team. We, we're in uh, four mornings a week and then obviously play the game on the Sunday. I don't think any other teams that we're competing against are, are making those commitments. So, so far, so good. And um, it's a challenge, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. One thing I, I wanted to ask was about sort of the, the year-round approach. I'm sure that when you were coaching uh, as a head coach in the W League, you would have loved nothing more than a 12-month-of-the-year contract for both yourself and all your players to sort of have that professional environment. But at the moment, the NPL still plays such an important role for women's footballers that aren't on a 12-month-of-the-year contract and kind of don't have the, the job security of being full-time professional footballers. So how much of a responsibility does your academy team, but also the, the NPL broadly have in keeping the standards high for our A-League women's footballers? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's <clears throat> there's so many considerations when you're working with players competing in the NPL. And obviously, like it was even in, in, in the W-League days, obviously with the, the program not being full-time, you've got to make... Um, well, you've got to understand commitments that players have, whether it be study commitments through university, study commitments through school... Or obviously, you know, they've got their own rent and bills to pay as well. So they've got those commitments outside of football. And it's really, really important that you understand each individual that you've got within your squad and the demands that they have. And you have to try and meet in the middle and make sure that you can come up with something that obviously you can support them both in and out of football because they've still got their aspirations on the park. They still want to be better players. They still want to play in a team that's going to do well and be successful and win as many games as you can. But on the other side, um, you've got to understand that they've got a balanced life as well. So it's really getting to know the players and then um, putting something together that um, supports both, I guess. But it's, it's tricky. It's, it's very, very tricky. Dan, with everything that you're saying there, that is absolutely awesome to hear of how all these things for women's football is changing. And that has actually been one of our key topics on the podcast today. Um, what is one question as a coach that you don't get asked enough on the female aspect of football? Like, what are the things that there are some things that we should be talking about more so often than what we don't hear? I think that it's, I think really people on the outside of women's football really need to understand that the commitment is different and the commitment is harder, um, whether you're a coach or whether you're a, or whether you're a player. Um, yet when, when, when a female player takes a step into whether it be an A-League women's environment or even a W-League environment when, when I was there, their expectation to perform and train was exactly the same. Um, and, and, you know, even as a coach, it's not fair. So you have, to, you have to, as a coach, be sympathetic to that and you need to really understand that, okay, this is, this is the commitments that I expect from my players. 
But I also, like I was alluding to before, you've got to go back and understand the other commitments that they have within their life. Until the game gets itself into a position where we're like like it is so in the UK, where we can we can play it, we can pay a player and support a player financially um, full time and a coach full time to just concentrate on that job. Then we have to make sure that we we take all those things into consideration. And I think um, when you're sitting in a grandstand and you're watching an A League women's game. You just see a player in a Sydney FC shirt and you just see a player in a Central Coast Mariners shirt or, or whatever it is. But there is so much that goes on during the week inside and outside of football to get that girl on the park and for that girl to take the park. Um, I don't know if that's a question, but I, I think it's an understanding that has to happen more um, for females um, in, in the game currently at the moment as well. It must be such a rewarding feeling as well, knowing that you can actually get out there and talk about these things and have these women embrace their talents and skills. Through this, who are the, some of your standout players in your team? Who would you say this season? Oh, look, um, look, one player is obviously uh, a girl by the name of Annalise Rasmussen, who has currently been signed uh, for the A-League women's team um, already. Um, she was the first signing for the A-League women's team. Um, she actually played her first game for us on the weekend and scored a goal from about 35 metres out. It was an absolute fantastic goal and it was great to have her out on the park playing for us. She's a young girl that I've had a, a lot to do with through my day job um, at the Central Coast Sports College where um, I've worked with Annalise since she was 11 years old uh, with like so many of the girls that I've currently got within my, my team at the moment and in the academy. And it's just so good to see her... Uh, all the commitments that she's made, her and her family. Um, you know, she was a she was a player that was making the commitment and lived on the Central Coast, but would play out of the uh, Institute Program, Football New South Wales Institute Program, um, which was a great program for her. And um, now she's um, reaped the benefits of all that hard work, and now she can train and play on the Central Coast. So that's one player. But look, I've got so many. Um, we've got um, we've got a player. I've, I've got a player uh, that I've known since she was 13 years old, which is Savet Unzler. Um, who's doing me a favour and, and coming in. And, and I've brought her in just because not only is she a fantastic player and she can contribute to the performances of our team uh, at the Mariners in NPL level, but um, we do have young girls there that I think certainly will push for uh, A-League women's, whether it's next season or the year after. And she's just a great role model for them. Um, she's a real pro when it comes to how she prepares and how she trains. And she really looks after the young girls. She encourages them. She talks to them on the field, both on and off the field. So she's a really good, really good person to have around. Um, and then there's, there's so many others, so many others that I could that I could name. I'd just be afraid I'd leave someone out. Dan, the um, two promoted teams into the top division of women's NPL this season, uh, Bulls Academy, the, the old Northbridge and Gladesville Ravens, they've both gone straight into the top half of the table. What does that tell us about the standard of competition in League One that you are currently competing against each week and, and sort of the readiness of that depth of women's football to make that step up? Because uh, being a, a previous Victorian who's only been living in uh, New South Wales for the last two NPL seasons... Um, it's safe to say that there's an admirable depth of talent that two teams could jump up a division and immediately acquaint themselves with the top flight. Yeah, can I tell you, I wasn't involved in the competition um, last year, but I've been very very surprised at the competitiveness of of the league. Um, The other thing that surprised me as well is how young the teams are and and how good the young players are. Um, There are definitely players 
in these teams that absolutely could be playing NPL one football. Um, but good for them. They, they, they choose to support whether it's their junior club or junior association and they stick with them and try and help that club get into the NPL one space. But, um, it's a battle every week, Tio. I mean, um, there are teams that absolutely do prepare, like tactically. They, I know they've watched us and they set up to play against us. And that's great for me and that's great for my players. Um, I, I really enjoy that part of the game. And it was a part of the game that I thought might not happen as much at this level because as a coach, that's, that's the part that I like, analysing and looking at your opponent and breaking them down. And I didn't think it would happen to us as much, but it certainly is. And... Um, it's a good competition. It's it's really surprised me. It's it's a good competition, and I'm 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 not surprised um, that those teams are doing well in the MPL one. I do think definitely the top half of the MPL two ladder could absolutely compete um, in the MPL one space for sure. There's so much happening within the MPL and everything else. Um, big talk about this right now is seeking promotion for the A League competition with the FIFA Women's World Cup coming up as well. Women's football is growing even further. How does this benefit you guys as a club moving forward into having the Mariners actually go into preparation for a women's A-League team? Where do we start? What is the coach's expectation from this? Look, it's a buzz. I mean, even if I go uh, into my academy space and we're talking skill acquisition uh, all the way into, you know, 14s, 15s, 16s, um, the buzz and the expectation around the World Cup is massive. You know, girls b- already bought tickets, obviously, to go and watch Matilda's games uh, and things like that. And obviously, it's getting closer and closer. Um, you know, even even mixing with the with my junior players and them talking about um, the new Matilda's documentary that's on. Have you seen this episode? Look, it's it's absolutely buzzing, and I think that um, that's why up here at the moment, it, it's super excited to be. Um, involved in football on the Central Coast with our, with our new A-League women's team coming in. And then obviously on the eve of the World Cup, um, it's just generating so much more excitement. And I'm trying to go below that and, and seeing if we can get um, at a grassroots level um, just more young girls excited about the game and, and getting them playing and, and then trying to get get them involved with our academy as well. So um, it's, de- it's definitely been a big, big plus, the World Cup. Well, one last one, and I, I want to bring it back to the Central Coast Mariners team specifically. You mentioned uh, it really piqued my interest, teams preparing uh, a game plan specific to take on your team. What is it that you want your teams to be known for? And after uh, an opponent plays against your team, what do you want them to walk away saying about your team? What sort of uh, footballing ethos are you trying to communicate to your players, but also trying to show out there on the pitch? I want teams when they play against us to come off the field and say, well, that team was organised. That team had good structure. They were all on the one page. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, both with and without the ball. And they worked incredibly hard for the entire 90 minutes. And that's because we obviously do the training um, four days a week and we have some dedicated staff. I I want them to feel that we are a step above. And And that's just simply because of the preparation, the time and the effort that we're putting in. And I, I, want, I, want them, I want them when they play us to feel that they're definitely playing as a team that's certainly different than the other teams that they're, that they're playing in their league. Um, obviously, we want to play the game the right way. Um, I'm very big on that. And that's something that um, I, I 
I push on to my players and have had no problem with that thus far. But um, but that's what it is. I, I want them to to think, okay, I know this is the the, the NPL one women's competition, but this team doesn't look like that or feel like that when we when we play against them. Dan Barrett, thank you for taking us inside your club and giving us some insights into an exciting future for the Central Coast Mariners as well, from top to bottom, right down, as you mentioned, uh, to the grassroots and the SAP program. Thanks for joining us on uh, Kickoff and uh, on the Football New South Wales podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, Tatiana, that brings us to the end of Kickoff, the first edition of the Football New South Wales Leagues podcast. I think we had some fun. And, hey, how good was it to get those insights into our guests, their clubs, their careers? I feel as though everyone really shared with us, which is what we want in a podcast like this one. Yeah, most definitely. Um, to start up the first episode, having all these amazing guests come in and actually giving up the time to chat with us has been really awesome. And to see all the fantastic insides of what is happening in the football community, all these great leagues and all these amazing things that are coming through uh, for this season. It's just been absolutely show-stopping to hear from all these people. Now, you at Bonnie Rig run the social media, so you are the first port of call for all of the feedback. Oh, I sure am. <laughs> so I think Football New South Wales, they want something similar here. So give us your feedback. We'd like to know who you want to hear as a guest or segment ideas, uh, which competitions we're talking about and what our focus is specifically on. So make sure you hit up the Football New South Wales social media networks and give us that feedback. And I'm sure that uh, you know, you'll be facing your own challenges, Tatiana, over the uh, the coming weeks. Uh... Oh, it's going to be a tough one. The league's about to turn over again, so we're starting from the top. It's going to be good to see. <laughs> well, that home stretch, I wish you all the best. But uh, Thank you. We're not done here with podcasting. There's plenty more to come. No. We'll be back with kickoff in a month. However, look out for the Football New South Wales Community Podcast in the coming weeks, covering some of the great people, clubs, and their initiatives from around the football family. I've been Teo Pelizzeri. Thanks for your company. I'm Tatiana Scribonia. Thank you all. And that has been Kickoff, the Football New South Wales podcast. We'll see you next time. Episode one is done. And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could all be the moment. It is the moment!